There we go. Excellent. Well, thank you and welcome. And I am so excited to introduce Gretchen von Grossman, a fabulous female, a fearless female. And um, she has lots of accolades, which I'm sure you've heard in some of our promos, but one of, one of the most interesting things I've heard is that she founded the Women in Design Conference Award and Exhibit, which has been going on for 20 years, really pointing out some of the great achievements for women architects and designers of all kinds. So Gretchen, I just want to start out by asking you, can you tell the audience a little bit about what you do? I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me, Brenda. This is a great treat. I am trained as an architect. I'm an urban designer. I'm a certified planner, and I also have credentials as a sustainability professional in the design world. And my role right now in my professional life is that I'm director of capital programs at Tufts University. I'm leading a team implementing roughly 40 to 60 million in building design and construction projects on a university with four campuses. That's um, amazing. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people involved in that, I'm sure. A lot of moving pieces and parts. Yes. In fact, I'm, I'm pulling together a report about that right now. And we touch everyone in the university and everyone in the university is our client so we're really a service organization trying to make sure that we're developing the right kinds of spaces to bring the university the most success we can yeah that must be interesting because there's lots of different customers quote-unquote customers right there's all these different players that you're trying to please and that that can get really difficult i'm sure uh, difficult but also uh rewarding uh, we have to make sure that it, any space we create meets every conceivable kind of regulation. We have to uh, support different kinds of teaching protocols, different kinds of research protocols, mm -hmm. clinical operations, right. art studios, residential spaces of all different kinds, recreational spaces, uh, spaces for student clubs, a lot of spaces for worship. We've had uh, great joy to bring those to fruition. So the university is really a small city unto itself. It has a little bit of everything and we get to create a little bit of everything. That's really neat. So tell me kind of about where, what level of leadership you're in. Where are you at in the spectrum? So uh, I, as a director, I report to the vice president of operations who is one level down from the top level, the president's level of uh, leadership at the university. So um, I'm about two steps down from okay. the top dog. And I, I know in some of the other things that you've done, you've also been in that similar kind of capacity, pretty high up the chain um, in some of the other work that you've done that we talk yeah, about. Right. Been uh, an assistant director at another university. I've been a director for a major public transit agency. I've founded and been the principal of a design firm for nine years. So yeah, I've had my chance to to lead some. Organizations. You've got a lot of leadership experience, which is great. So 
tell me, you know, how did you get to where you are? How did you get there? Well, it is a complicated story in, in some ways and a simple story in others. I feel that I just followed the path that was in front of me. In a way, I, I sort of followed my heart and um, was never quite sure where it was going to lead me, but always the next step presented itself and it was apparent to me and I took it and ran. And um, my career is not traditional. I have not practiced traditional architecture much in my career. I've used my architectural training and knowledge and skills in a lot of uh, disciplines or applications that um, could make good use of it and um, but never traditional architecture or not much anyway. Okay. Um, so I, when I left university, I, I, I did uh, architectural drawings in an architecture firm for about a year and a half before I got the opportunity to follow my true passion, which was urban design. I studied that as an undergrad and uh, had the opportunity to join the Central Artery Tunnel Project that we know locally here in the right. Eastern right. Massachusetts is a big dig. So um, they had an urban design group and that's a very rare thing. There isn't a great demand for urban designers in the world. It takes a $14, million, $14 billion project to require that much urban design attention. And then, um, also, just the fact that this project was going to reshape and reconfigure one of the what was already one of the most beautiful cities in North America. What an opportunity! I uh, that was a no-brainer. I had to be a part of that. And through that experience, I learned a great deal about uh, tr design for transportation facilities of all kinds uh, for pedestrians, for bicycles, for transit for highways, for local streets. And then in turn, I learned how those different facilities interact with building development and how to make them work together successfully. And that really became the basis of the next 20 years of my career. I took that experience uh, and after I got a master's degree, I was able to join a large international architecture and engineering conglomerate really and spend time working on transportation design projects across the country and uh, including spending a good deal of time in Puerto Rico on a brand new transit line brand new uh, heavy rail rapid transit they call it oh, neat. In, in San Juan that must have been fun. It was amazing. Uh, I recommend everyone should go to Puerto Rico and spend time there because it's a wonderful place and the people there are incredible. Right. Um, and I, I, I had tr excellent experience from that role in that company, uh, traveling across the country, working on transit facilities 
in multiple states and it was an incredible experience and after several years there was an acquisition of the company and uh, i was excited about the opportunities under this new company to see where things would go uh, that perhaps design could have a bigger role in the next iteration of the company and um, in a, a presentation by the new CEO, I had the opportunity to ask the question, what's the future of design? And he said he didn't see a future for design, that that's really not what the company was about. And it was very easy for me at that point to make the decision to do something different and leave the company because I knew that I had to follow my heart and I had to continue to pursue design and that that was my priority and I couldn't spend time with a company where that wasn't their priority as well. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. I'm curious. It sounds like the beginning, there was a very laid out kind of path and it wasn't difficult to make any decisions. Did you get to a point or was this instance a point where you kind of looked up and there were several choices of where to go? Well, um, I would say I don't feel that the choices were that straightforward. I would say it was, I made choices that were non-traditional for someone in my field. It would be very non-traditional for someone want to pursue an urban design position and a major transportation project for someone with architectural training. That's just very atypical. Um, in my decision to make a change from that role, uh, the principal of my firm let me know that I didn't have a future with that firm until I had a master's degree and I thought oh okay well then I'll go get one and so I left. <laughs> um, then uh, it was not typical for architects to be a part of these large engineering firms doing these transportation projects that's an unusual choice for uh, someone with an architectural background as well and um, uh, so I I make decisions easily. Hmm. I, I, I'm not averse to risk and I can see the clearly the decision I need to make based on my values and I act quickly. So okay. I, that that's more how I would characterize it. So you really, it sounds like you have an easy time making the decisions because you really go through a process where you kind of match it up with your values and then it becomes very clear which path is the best way for you to go. Yes. Cool. Yes. That's really cool. Thank you. You know, along the path, um, what biases or what differences have you seen or experienced on your way up the ladder being a woman, being a female? Well, um, I've had several instances um, where um, I there was resistance to letting me in the club, so to speak, that it was felt that um, someone who 
seemed young and was female shouldn't have access to the really quality projects, the really uh, excellent design opportunities. Um, and over and over and over again, I had to prove that not only I could do it, but I could excel at it and, and you know, bring the team that I was working with um, repeat work or accolades or happy clients. And um, luckily for most of my career, I've been in situations where people would let me prove it, but there've been instances where there, people were very resistant to it and I had to you know, persevere and, and just find, find my opportunity and seize it. So how, do you, how did you do that? What do you think helped you do that? I think it's choose. It was finding opportunities to work with people who were willing to give me those shots. I think that was the key. Um, now that I look back at it, uh, it it may not be the folks you're quote unquote supposed to be working with but you can get to know other people and other projects and other opportunities and see, but there's always someone out there who is willing to, um, who's looking for someone good to help them get, pull a project together successfully. If, if you have the energy and the interest to try to do that as well, some, you're, you're probably gonna be able to find somebody who'll give you a shot, but it, it may not be, the the most obvious path in front of you you may have to look for it so you really had to fi find some people and align yourself with people that could see your potential yes and then really do a great job for them and then they kind of became your allies in helping you do more yes and i think one of the the key pieces to that is a lot of hard work a lot of late nights um, coming through in a pinch so that people know they can rely on you um, and not just rely on you, but also that you can help save a situation that's going off the rails. Mm -hmm. um, and then you become that valuable resource that they'll want to include on project teams. So really making yourself indispensable. Yeah. 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 But so, to me, it was less about making myself indispensable and more about being completely committed to the success of the work. That was really the focus, that I wanted this to be an amazing project, whatever it was, and I was going to, you know, put everything on the line to make it happen. So you were really, you had the passion behind it and the real belief in what you were doing. Absolutely, 100%. And a lot of that, I'm sorry, That's a lot of that goes back to um, my passion for urban design is an underlying belief that it makes the world a better place. And that through design, we can take some small place in the world and make it better. And I'm going to, I'm a hundred percent committed to doing that. That's awesome. So 
as women, we, a lot of times we have a hard time singing our own praises or speaking well about ourselves. What is your best advice for getting noticed positively? Um, that's a great question <laughs> because I, I also struggle with singing my own praises. So to me, it's similar to what I was just talking about. It's complete devotion to the work and letting your arguments for success be revolved solely around the quality of the product you're putting together and telling people about why it's important and why it's important to implement and why it's of value to them. Um, and not as a sales job, but rather an education process. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have certain qualifications as a designer where you understand, you know, weighing the pros and cons and coming up with good solutions. And of course you incorporate others input into that as well. But in turn, you can show people options they didn't consider and why it would benefit them. And it's all, it's all about the product. It's all about the project even more than yourself. And that's what's worked for me. That's great. I appreciate that. Um, what do you think in the whole scope of your career was the biggest boost to your confidence? Um, let's see. Um, I think one of the things would be that I've consistently advanced through my career and never really sought it. Um, I've always had a great new opportunity to jump to that uh, is always a surprise to me. <laughs> and I've been very, very fortunate that way too. I, I think I count myself very lucky. Um, a great example of that is um, I had my own design firm for nine years uh, mm -hmm. and the the final year was 2010 and you can well imagine what that means in terms of the lifespan of a project that was in the middle of a recession and uh, a lot of firms didn't make it through that recession. So I found myself in a place of transition and um, suddenly I got this phone call. Would I like to finish some work at a local university uh, on behalf of a friend of mine who needed to go, she was under contract to do some work. She needed to go take a position on the West Coast. Could I finish off this project for her? Sure, I'll <laughs> help out. I'm happy to help out, no problem. And then I was there for three months finishing the project. And during those three months, they offered me a full-time position. Come to find out that that was incredibly rare at that university, that those contract positions never turn into full-time work. 
and yet I wasn't even looking for that and the position was presented to me. So um, I'm very grateful for that. And not only that, but a lot of people spend a great deal of time trying to get into university work. Right. And I backed into it unsuspectingly. And it's been a great part of the last 10 years of my career. That's great. Um, so it sounds as if things just appeared in front of you. And I would bet that's not really the case, <laughs> right? Um, there must be other pieces that go into that. Like, well, I, I think in that, that particular case, it, it, it kind of was like that. It was also, they, the folks there, I would imagine, felt I was making good contributions and they could see how I could make other contributions if they kept me around. So I'm sure but that was part. Even your relationship with that other person who needed to go and take a different job, the fact that you had that relationship and that that person knew enough about your work to trust that you could come in, step in and be fine, number one, and, and they'd look good for having recommended you. True, yeah. You know, so there's, there's other pieces, I bet, to it that, that are interesting to think about what are those things that actually created that illusion of things just popping up in front of you? <laughs> oh, look, I'm sure there's other things. I, I would bet that passion and that total commitment to a project would, would be a piece that that makes you a very um, desirable employee. Yes. That's awesome. So I'm going to pause here because okay. I think we have um, some great other content and, and this is, you know, our first part, but I recommend everybody come back for our second segment of this interview so that you can hear more about um, Gretchen and some of the advice that she has for you. Um, so I'll, I will say goodbye for now and hopefully hear you again soon.